and then we're going to pray and we're going to get started. We'll continue with the book of Ezekiel. Lord Jesus, again, as we open up your word, we ask your Holy Spirit to help us to rightly understand what you have revealed there so that we may truly believe correctly that through your Holy Spirit we may understand what the truth is and what you have revealed in your word and also through the power of the Holy Spirit not only have sound doctrine but that through the power of the Holy Spirit that we would also strive to obey your commands in a way that pleases you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Ezekiel. Last week when we left off, I got through Ezekiel 12, and we did get into Ezekiel 13. I'm going to back up a little bit, and we're going to consider Ezekiel 13 in its totality. Um, And I was making a, a point last week that when you compare the sound prophecies of Ezekiel and the high detail that he gave in his prophecies... And the fact that they came true, and we also noted Deuteronomy 18 legitimately says if somebody prophesies something and it doesn't come true, then they are a false prophet. Now, we live in a day when people think that that doesn't apply today. I'll I'll give you an example, but let's take a look at the text in Deuteronomy 18 again real quick here. Actually, there's two passages that bear this standard out, uh, but there's, there's two aspects of it. And so in Deuteronomy 18, you have um, Moses prophesying uh, that God would raise up a prophet like him from among your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die, And Yahweh said to me, they are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And you're going to note here, when you look at, remember Jeremiah's commissioning, God said that he was going to put his words in Jeremiah's mouth. That's the the level of prophet that Jeremiah was. But you're going to note here, when Christ comes, he specifically says that I am speaking to you the words that my Father spoke to me to give to you, right? And so this is a prophecy regarding Christ. And when God raises up that prophet who is like Moses, he shall speak to them all that I command, and and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So note, if you don't listen to Jesus... Uh, that is what we call an eternity-limiting move, okay? Uh, in, <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in, in the corporate world, when you, uh, when you oppose your boss or you engage in politics that subverts the, the company's plan and strategy, that's always a career-limiting move, and they don't fire you, they just invite you to play on somebody else's team, okay? Uh, in the similar way that um, if you're not going to listen to Jesus, yeah. That's, a, that's, not, that's not a good outcome. But watch then. The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So here's where we have to make an important distinction. We are not saying that if somebody arises within the AALC or at Kongsvinger and gives a false prophecy, that once we've determined that they've given a false prophecy, we take them out behind the dike and stone them to death. Okay? Um, okay. Is, <laughs> Probably. 
we, we can easily just hide the evidence in the graveyard, but that's a, that's a different story. But that's not what we are going to do. And the reason being is, is that the civil penalties in the theocracy of Israel under the Mosaic Covenant, you have to think of it in those terms. When we talk about God's law, we, there, we have to understand what we're talking about. There are, there are moral laws, there are civil laws, there are ceremonial laws. The ceremonial laws all have to do with the, uh, the, the, the maintenance and the offerings offered within the temple or in the tabernacle. The civil laws are executed by the, the government for the purpose of punishing the evildoer, and moral laws then uh, apply to, you know, that are ongoing. So we know that when it comes to God's moral law, um, not only was adultery sinful, in the ancient world, it's sinful today. Not only was stealing sinful in the ancient world and in the theocracy of Israel, it is sinful today. So the command says, thou shalt not steal. The civil penalty for it under the theocracy of Israel was something you know, that was done a particular way. They had to make restitution for what they had stolen. And then of course, in the civil realm, Anybody who committed adultery, they, they were liable to the punishment of, uh, capital, of capital punishment, of actually being stoned to death. But you're going to note then, when we, come to the prophet, when we come to somebody who's given a false prophecy, note, the civil penalty is death. What's the commandment that's being broken? The moral commandment that's being broken. Okay, so thou shalt have no other gods before me. Technically, that falls into this, but there's a second one. There's a, there's a second commandment that is actually being broken straight out right. Taking the Lord's name in vain, right? So you'll note that the scripture commands in the moral law, you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God into vanity, into worthlessness, or give a false prophecy. That's what shah, the, the Hebrew word shah, for vain, means. So the second commandment then, so you know, we should, will not take the name of the Lord our God in vain, and we should fear and love God so we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive in his name, right? But call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. That's what Herr Luther says. So any person who, who gives a false prophecy is guilty of breaking a moral commandment, and that is the second commandment that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The civil penalty for breaking that commandment in the theocracy of Israel was what? Death, okay? Now you're gonna note here, when somebody says, thus saith the Lord, ooh, I'm getting a download. The Lord has told me that Stephen Elliott needs to get a mohawk. Okay. <laughs> right? Uh, the fear of the Lord has come upon you, Brother Stephen. <laughs> you know. Uh, but but you have to look at it the whole rest of the time. Right, right. No. Painful, painful. I, I, I repent of my false prophecy. All right. <laughs> But it, it, when somebody says, thus saith the Lord, all of a sudden that changes the authority with which they are speaking. Okay? So when I say, the scriptures say, what am I saying? God says. When somebody is on stage, that's usually the, the, what they have nowadays, rather than altars and pulpits. Okay, when they're on stage, 
and they say, ooh, the Lord just revealed this to me, and they start telling you what the Lord revealed them right there on the spot. What are you thinking? Aside from the fact they're a false prophet. If you believe them, it's like, oh, whoa, the Lord's here. He's talking directly to this person. And all of a sudden, that person has big authority. And so in the charismatic circles, charismatic Pentecostal NAR, when somebody is saying things like this, and you, you, you just raise your hand and you go, um, I, are we sure that's God? What do the people there do? Touch not God's anointed. Who, oh, you are this close to committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's designed to shut you up, right? Were they anointed with essential oils? Yeah. <laughs> lavender. They were anointed with lavender. Anyway. <laughs> I like lavender. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with lavender. It's just, you know, we're just, we're, by, by saying that, we're saying they weren't really anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's not it. So you're going to note then within these circles that believe in modern day prophets that there is a true way in which people fear. They fear to speak up. They are, sp they are spoken down to and told to be quiet. And who are you to challenge the anointed of God and things like this? And so that when somebody speaks this way, there's, there's a, the fear of God all of a sudden comes up. But we must remember that when it comes to prophets, Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. And here's what it says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I'm going to point this out. The do not believe, pistu eta, that is an imperative. It is a command, Right? So, like, when you give orders to your children to do chores, <clears throat> go outside, fix the tea lights, right? Um, when, when something, you know, something like that, you're giving a command, right? This is not a suggestion. This is an order. So you're going to note that in Greek, there is a, there's an actual verb tense that shows you an actual command of God. So we are ordered by God to not believe every spirit, so when someone comes along and says, I am an anointed prophet of God and, and I have a very good, excellent track record. In fact, I speak on the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders and I'm here to announce to you today, thus saith the Lord, that you will experience it suddenly when a download appears to you in the new season. Right? And some of you say, bingo! Right? <laughs> You're, no, as soon as somebody talks this way and says that they are receiving direct revelation from God, we are commanded by God the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John, who we know is a legit Apostle of Jesus Christ, do not believe every spirit. So when somebody comes along and claims to be a prophet and gives you a message, we say, oh, goody, we get to put you to the test, Right? Now, have you all ever heard of an IRS audit? Okay, I've heard that they're unpleasant. I've never experienced one, but I've heard that they have a tendency to be unpleasant. That the, that the IRS demands receipts and things like this. And these things can stretch out for months and months at a time. And at the end of it, you always end up owing money to them, which is always so fun. Because when they let you know that you owe money to them, they say, not only do you owe us money, they're back taxes, which means you owe us them with penalties and interest, right? It's an unpleasant thing. 
But you're going to note this, that when it comes to somebody claiming to be a prophet of God, we are required to give them a full and complete audit. And that means we're going to audit their message. We're going to audit their theology. We're going to audit any previous sermons that they've given. And we have to determine if this person is sound. And only after they have passed the, the heavenly kingdom IRS audit for a prophet are we permitted then to begin to listen to them, right? Okay, so you sit there and go, well, I mean, aren't we cessationists? Well, let's pretend that we weren't. Even if you're not a cessationist, I would note you're required to do this. But in the charismatic Pentecostal churches, do they do this? No, they do not do this at all. And so what does it take for you to set up a, pro a prophetic ministry nowadays? Answer, a Gmail account and a YouTube channel. That's all that it takes. And these people have zero accountability. There is no testing. And when I test their prophecies, I am the one who is told that I am a hypercritic, that I am quenching the spirit, that I am, I am a religious Pharisee, and that I have the spirit of Jezebel. I'd say, give me a break. I'm a man. I'm not a woman. You know, get your pronouns right. Okay. But all that being said, we are instructed by God to not believe every spirit. That's the command. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because how many false prophets have gone out in the world? Many. Many, 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 many. Right? So we are commanded by God. So Deuteronomy chapter 18 then gives us one of the tests of a prophet. And note that in the ancient theocracy of Israel, the civil penalty for breaking the second commandment is death. So here we go. God has given us a test. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? That's a pretty good question, right? I, think about this. It's a great test. Okay, so you're going to say, we're, you're going to hold us accountable for the words that Jesus is going to speak, but how do we know if Yahweh hasn't spoken? It's, so when somebody comes to you and says, thus saith the Lord, right? Um, one of the things that we'll be doing, it's, it's, I've already recorded, it'll come out in the next couple weeks, is I did an audit of the top prophecies offered by the top charismatic prophets for 2023. And we did an audit. One of the prophecies was from a guy named Kurt Landry. And Kurt Landry said, in the year 2023, God is going to finally fulfill the promise for the great wealth transfer. Okay? And, the, and, and what they mean by that is that pagans are going to show up at our doors and write a big check to you and say, I'm handing over my entire stock portfolio to you. They're going to come to Kongsvinger and they're going to write ginormous amounts of checks. They're going to divest themselves of their of their income and their wealth and give it to Christians. That's, that's, that's called the IRS showing up at your door and the opposite. Right. <laughs> now, there may have been a great wealth transfer due to high interest rates, but that's not what he was referring to, right? So in 2023, was there a big wealth transfer for Christians? Did they, the pagans start showing up in mass, giving loads and truckloads of wealth and possessions and, uh, and their assets to Christians? 
Right. They've been saying that wealth transfer thingy was going to happen even back when I was in the charismatic movement, back in 80, <coughs> 80, <coughs> 88. <laughs> anyway. Right. So, so that didn't happen. Now watch what this then says. So if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. Pretty simple, right? It's pretty simple. So Kurt Landry said the great wealth transfer is happening in 2023. It didn't happen. Did Yahweh speak those words to Kurt Landry? No. This is a pretty simple test. This is not rocket surgery. Okay? Sure, I've jumped the gun. Call me cynical, but Warren Buffett ain't knocking on my door anytime soon to hand over his stock portfolio to me. Okay? So I, I could just see some charismatic going, but the year's not over yet. We have time. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Right? If you're, wait, so if you're waiting for the wealthy to show up at your, the wealthy pagans to show up at your door to give you money because you're a Christian, you might as well be waiting for the great pumpkin to show up. You're over, man. You're over. <laughs> right? But so we can determine that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken in today's charismatic circles. So Dr. Brown teaches this. The Remnant Radio guys teach this. They say, oh, it's not that they, that, that they got it wrong. It's that they misunderstood or misinterpreted the word that God gave them. So therefore, they're not a false prophet. Does that make a lick of sense? No. In fact, in one particular video that they recently did when they were critiquing the cessationist movie, they had Dr. Michael Brown on, and they, and they showed a snippet from the cessationist documentary where Phil Johnson, good friend of mine, by the way, Phil Johnson, who works for John MacArthur, he legitimately says, today's prophets, they don't, not only do they not have a track record of accuracy, in fact, he said that if you were to ask the magic eight ball for advice, the magic eight ball would give you more accurate advice than today's modern prophets. And they responded and basically said, oh, well, that's just anecdotal. <laughs> no, that ain't anecdotal. How, how many of the charismatic prophets prophesied that Biden was going to win the election? None. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> None of them. Okay? So, note here, the standard in Scripture is if they speak a word and say it's, it, that something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, then the standard is we know that that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. In other words, God didn't tell all of those prophets that Trump was going to win the 2020 election. How do we know? Because the text says so. This is a basic text. And so many charismatics say, well, that doesn't apply today. And then they, tell, they give you this extra biblical narrative. They'll say, well, it was absolutely necessary that in the Old Testament times that the prophets get 100% right because they were prophesying and that the existence of the nation state of Israel was on the line. What's the point of modern day prophets if they never get anything right? 
You ask a great question. Let me repeat the question because it's a great question. What's the point of modern day prophets if they don't even get it right? Okay, so let, let me just ask you, that, let me put this into a more of a, of a specific thing. Whoop-de-doo, somebody says that God is speaking and they are going to give us words that they say are from the Holy Spirit that don't make a lick of sense. The whole purpose of prophecy bingo is to show you that all these people do is basically take a bunch of buzzwords, stick them into a blender, hit the frappy button, and then when it comes out, you know, they string these words together to make it sound like that this is something thing, something going on. But over and over again, all they're doing is reusing, recycling the same buzzwords and just rearranging them differently in the sentences, and they're still saying absolutely nothing. I can legitimately tell you out of the decades that I've been watching these people, I have not only not heard a single true prophecy, I can legitimately say that nothing any of these wingnuts have ever said amounted to a hill of beans of meaning for anything in my life at all, whether political, financial, or spiritual. And they seem to be very obsessed with the political, except for this year, they're being very cautious. No one's prophesying what's going to happen in 2024 yet. So. Yeah. Year over yeah. And it seems very self-focused and, and um... yes, it seems very what focused, self-focused. And here's the thing: when you look at Jeremiah, we just worked through the whole book of Jeremiah. When you look at Ezekiel, these guys were laser-focused on the need and the message of repentance. Repentance from idolatry, repentance from vain ways, repentance from mercilessness, from injustice, and calling people back to God and, call, and telling them that God will forgive them of their sins. Today's so-called prophets are obsessed with you and they'll basically say, oh, I, I have a download from the Lord and I just want to let you know that your breakthrough is just around the corner, brother. The Lord revealed to me, it's, this is your season. This is, this is your time when you're going to rise up and he's going to give you vision and he's going to give you the resources necessary to fulfill that vision. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. This, this is it, sir. Your, your download is on the way. You can count on it. That's a weird thing to say to anybody. And you're going to note here, I haven't said anything. I haven't said a word. Because what on earth does the breakthrough mean and the suddenly and the, all this kind of nonsense? It doesn't mean anything. So you'll note then, if a prophet speaks, the name in, of, of, speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass, that is a word that Yahweh hasn't spoken. Full stop. Do you think that still applies today? Yep. But they say, oh, well, a false prophet is a ravenous wolf, and, and, uh, and just because somebody gives a false prophecy doesn't mean that they're a wolf. They, they are well-meaning and well-intentioned. They just misheard God or misunderstood what he said, but they're not ravenous wolves. Are they benefiting from it financially? Of course, always. Well, they're wolves. Yeah. Right? So you'll note... What, so when a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is the word that Yahweh has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it, what? Presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. What does that mean? I don't have to disregard. 
I can disregard him, but the, I don't have to fear that, they're go, that I'm going to do something against God. In other words, we can now, we can now kill him, <laughs> right? <laughs> not only do I not fear you, I kill you now. Okay, right? That's, that's what this is talking about. So not only do we not have to fear them because they're not speaking with God's authority, and so the prophets of Scripture get it right. And if somebody cannot meet this test, then according to what Christ has commanded us through the Apostle John, that is, is that we are to test the spirits because many false prophets have gone out into the world to see whether they, they are speaking from God. If somebody speaks a prophecy and it doesn't come to pass, that person ain't no true prophet. Full stop. The end. Okay? Now, the second test is a little more subtle. Deuteronomy 13. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, which just seems to be such a great description of today's wingnut wackerdoodles, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, uh-oh, right? So the person says, next Thursday, um, Joe Biden will forget his lines and wander off aimlessly. Congratulations, you watched the news. <laughs> right? He sit there and go, oh, it happened! Just like he said! Okay? I would note, some of today's so-called prophets are really good at analyzing trends. And their prophecies do not amount to any kind of insight from the Holy Spirit, but just the ability to see how trends are going and connect dots. They see this dot going this direction, the second dot going that direction, and they'll go, I prophesy this dot here. And they'll get it right, right? Like, I'm watching so-called prophets today talking about the impending housing market crash, okay? And I'm sitting there going... Really? Okay. So when this happens, they'll be sat, standing on their roof going, I called it. A bunch of pagans called that. Okay. It's like, come on. They also call themselves Issachar. Yeah, that, that's right. They, the, the Issachar, they, they know the times and the seasons. Yeah, the, the Issachar anointing thingy. Okay, so here's the thing. If the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and now listen to the rest of it, because there's more to it than just the verse that follows. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet for that, or that dreamer of dreams. For Yahweh, your God, is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after Yahweh, your God, and fear him. And watch this. Keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So the second test then is a theological test. And it's a very important test because when we talk about theology, this is where we have to do the scrutiny of their theology. And so idolatry is going to be a rank thing that you have to pay attention to. So for instance, Mormonism. Mormonism says they believe in Jesus Christ. Mormonism says they believe in God the Father. 
Now, a little bit of a note, many people don't know this, but in the Mormon revivals of the 1800s with the rise of Mormonism, uh, Brigham Young would actually hold some camp-like meetings similar to what the Methodists were doing. And in those meetings, people would shake uncontrollably, speak in tongues, and prophesy. The Mormon church today says that they have modern living prophets. Okay? Should we sit there and go, if, if the head prophet of the Mormon church prophesies something and it actually comes to pass, should we, should we leave the AALC and join the Church of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? No. And the reason why is because of their theology. And here's the bit. So the Mormon Jesus is not the same Jesus as the Jesus in Scripture. The Jesus in Scripture is God the Son, second person of the Holy Trinity. And he is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Does this sound familiar, right? And Jesus is eternal. But according to Mormonism, Jesus has a beginning. He was the firstborn son of Elohim after Elohim ascended to become a deity. Elohim started off as a man and became a god by obedience to his god. And his firstborn son, after he was granted godhood and, and moved to the planet Kolob with, with his spiritual wives, his firstborn son was Jesus Christ. Next in line was his son Lucifer. Does that sound like the biblical Jesus? No, it's not. And so you'll note that that's the idolatry talked about here. But what if somebody comes to you and they say, well, I believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, but then they can't rightly handle a biblical text to save their life, right? That fails this test also because they're not obeying the voice of God. I always like to point out that if God were really talking to this person, I like to think of Cindy Jacobs. I don't like reviewing her prophecies when she gives them in public. When she does them in, on video in her, in her studio, she's a little more subdued. But if you have ever listened to this woman give a, a prophecy when she's on stage, oh my goodness, she screeches. She doesn't scream, she screeches. And, you know, the Lord has told me that in the year 2023, we're all going to find our Goshens. Yay, you were made for a time like this. And it's like... You know, nails against the chalkboard, right? And that was a prophecy last year that we were going to find our Goshens in the year 2023. Did you all find your Goshens, by the way? Some people can't even find their glasses. Right. I have a hard time finding new folded, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, so you'll note that she constantly twists the scripture when she opens it. And that is another form of not obeying God's voice and holding fast to him because they don't have sound doctrine. Did any of the apostles of Jesus Christ have unsound doctrine? Not a single one of them. Not one of them. They can all rightly handle a biblical text. And they did. Did any of the prophets of old, did they ever err in their theology? No, because... When they spoke prophetically, they got words directly from God. And so they never contradicted. And so you'll note that God is the only one who can add to the scriptures. And when he raises up a prophet or apostle who is 
who he's speaking through, what they say fits perfectly with what's already been said and written. And this is one of the reasons why we're able going into this, you know, into the Advent season as we get closer to uh, the birth of Christ and we read from the Gospel of Matthew, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet when he said this, right? The reason why that all works is because God the Holy Spirit is the common author of all of the biblical texts and God, his prophets never contradicted what was previously written. Today's modern prophets Good grief, good grief, you can't find a sound biblical statement on what they believe, teach, or confess anywhere. And what they teach from the pulpit shows that they have not rightly understood at all how to handle a biblical text. And many of them even like, like are openly disobeying the clear commands of God in Scripture when they allow women to preach and stuff. Right? So the second, the second test then for a prophet as to whether or not we're actually hearing the voice of God, that's the fine details of their doctrine. So before you are allowed by God to listen to somebody, they have to pass these first two tests, even before you then listen to their message, and then you have to test the message that they give you to see if it squares from Scripture. And here's kind of the irony here, coming back to James's point. What's the point of modern-day prophecy? Which, by the way, they don't even say anything. But, the, what, but here's the idea. Since the scripture is closed, the canon is closed, all right? And Paul has made it clear in, uh, in first Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture is theonoustos. It's God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work, right? I want you to think about this. There is, a, there is not a good work that you will do in this life that God's word will not prepare you for. It's not like God's going to say, all right, I have a good work for you to do, but you're going to need some extra biblical revelation in order to accomplish it. There isn't a single good work because we already have that. Plus, Christ has said that we are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, right? That being the case, Where's the only place I can go to find where Jesus has commanded us? The scripture. So when a prophet gets up and they give a message, we have to test the message against the word of God. If it squares with the word of God, I don't need it because the word of God already says it. If it contradicts the word of God, I am to reject it because it contradicts the word of God. Both positive and negatively, we don't need modern-day prophets today. We just don't. Because if the, if the message squares with Scripture, I don't need it because the Scripture says it. If it contradicts the Scripture, I definitely don't need it. But you'll note that over and over again, they do not. They refuse to abide by these tests. And they say, well, that's for the Old Testament. But we can just, you know, we can just shoot from the hip and uh, if God you know, gives us a word and we don't get it right, well, then we'll just, we'll just uh, apply ourselves piously to try better the next time. doesn't make any sense. And so note here, who's, whose name is on the line because of these false prophets? It's Christ. I mean, how many people mocked Christianity because of that gross display of nonsense from, from Kenneth Copeland claiming that he, in the, that he was speaking in the, in the office of the prophet and was judging COVID-19 in March of 2020. 
right? COVID-19, I blow the way to God on you, right? And the world made a mockery of Christianity and Kenneth Copeland as a result of it. But do you think anybody in his church left saying, this guy's a false prophet? Few, if any, right? Ezekiel 13, then, hear these words. The word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts. Hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Woe! Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins. That's quite a, quite a visual, isn't it? Jackals among ruins. Something we don't normally see here in the States, but uh, you can kind of imagine it. They've been, oh, got it, New York City or Chicago. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in, in, in battle in the day of Yahweh. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares Yahweh when Yahweh has not sent them. And yet they expect Yahweh to fulfill their words. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said, declares Yahweh, although I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, because you have uttered falsehood and have seen lying visions. Therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord Yahweh. This, this should cause every single YouTube prophet today great pause. Because God isn't sitting there going, Oh, I'm so happy that you're stretching out in the Spirit and that you're taking the initiative and, and, and taking the risk of learning how to hear my voice. Good on you. Uh, let, let, let's see if we can help you mature in your prophetic gift. That's not what he says. I am against you. I am against you because you've uttered falsehood and seen lying visions. I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people. Now that might sound a little harsh, but you're going to note here, Jesus is, and, and Yahweh isn't saying, well, let, let's, this is not that big of a deal. Again, consider the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7, we hear these words, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We know that every prophet who fails the true tests of a prophet fits this category. Full stop. You will recognize them by their fruits. Not only is that going to be their doctrine, it's going to be their life and their prophecies. You'll know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. The diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every single prophecy given by these wingnuts today is an example of horrible, rancid, bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them. And you might sit there and go, well, that's just a little bit harsh, don't you think, Pastor Rosebro? Uh, no, um, it's, it's not harsh at all. Let me explain. Um, 
Let's see, where am I at on that? That's my Ezekiel 13, Deuteronomy 13. Throw this into the mix. Ezekiel, uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Again, you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It's right there in the Ten Commandments. The person who takes God's name in vain is sinning directly against God dragging his name through the mud and God doesn't take kindly to it. So you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, not some, a few, many, and I can name names at this point, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? This is describing today's deliverance ministers. This is legitimately describing today's prophets who are also steeped in these prophetic ministries. This does not sound like any confessional Lutheran I know of. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And that's the thing. The person who says that the standard from the Old Testament Uh, for a prophet doesn't apply today, is a worker of complete lawlessness. They are no different, and I, I mark my words on this, they are no different than an ELCA pastrix affirming the LGBTQXYZ elemental P group because that woman is denying the sixth commandment, you should not commit adultery. Today's conservative, politically conservative, NAR folks are denying the second commandment. And by doing so, they are workers of complete lawlessness. Lawlessness of the first table, which always results in lawlessness in the second. When you connect the dots, there's no way to get around this. And so Christ says, depart from me. I never knew you. You what? You workers of lawlessness. And that's what they are. When you are denying the second commandment, denying that the true standards of Scripture apply to today's prophets, you are a worker of iniquity and lawlessness. And here Christ is describing them to a T. This should cause them to stay awake at night and lead them to repentance, but it doesn't. Okay? All right. Now, Naya has her hand up, which means I need to be able to hear Naya. Is there a way for me to hear Naya, Josh? Hold on. We're working on it. Hold, hold on, Naya. Hold on. Luis Beaumont noted that uh, Goshen, Connecticut is about 40 miles from here. I guarantee you, Cindy Jacob is not there. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point, Luis. Uh, Naya, you can unmute yourself and ask your question. Naya, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. 
was wondering if this thing I was taught, it's the same as prophesying. Uh, I was taught to, when I was in difficulty, to read a passage in the Bible three times. Uh, and then God would reveal things to me. The first time he would reveal one thing, and then the second time you, he would reveal a little bit more, and then the third time he would reveal a little bit more, and by the end I would have uh, God's message to me for my situation. Yeah. Uh, Naya, that's called divination. Um, and I would note it, it borders into witchcraft because you're using the scripture as a talisman to get uh, direct revelation rather than actually that's listening to what it says. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's not what is that. It's not even real prophecy. That's more like divination or, or actual witchcraft. I mean, if you stand in front of a mirror and shut off the lights and say, Bloody Mary, seven times she'll appear, you know. Um, <laughs> It's, they are it's, teaching, the problem is they're teaching that in one of the seminaries here in Portugal. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, you'll note that seminaries are often the targets of, of Satan, and, and when he can flip a seminary, they no longer become a place where sound doctrine is taught, but they become places where practices that are forbidden by Scripture become the thing. So. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. All right, I am up against my hard timeline, so we'll have to pick up a little bit more um, from Ezekiel 13 next week. If I sound like I'm on a soapbox, I am. So, <laughs> just want to make that clear. I do not deny it. 